Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. The only way to cross that bridge between a holy God and sinful people, there is a bridge, the cross of Christ. And Christ will never, ever let you down. He will never, ever fail if your trust and your faith is in Christ and Christ alone. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe, Senior Pastor of Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. There's a common misperception that we'll get to heaven if the good in our life outweighs the bad. But today on The Verdict, we're discussing the all-important truth that our eternal salvation is not a matter of merit. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Here's Pastor John Monroe to begin today's lesson. What is grace and why is it so amazing? This has been the central question in our new series on grace. We've been learning that all of us desperately need God's grace. We're spiritually dead, alienated from God, and utterly unable to save ourselves. But what we are unable to do for ourselves, God in our Lord Jesus Christ has done. This is why grace is so amazing. It is available to everyone as it flows from the love of God. And how can you receive this grace? Grace by definition is undeserved, unmerited, and sometimes grace seems too simple. So today we will reflect on what it means to believe, what it means to have faith. So let's learn more about grace and God's wonderful plan of salvation. We understand, I hope we do, that grace, that salvation comes to us freely as a gift. Now let me ask you to stand and read with me these two verses that we looked at last week so that they would be underlined in our hearts. Read them with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Thank you. Please be seated. And let me ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Our subject is grace alone through faith alone. Really, the larger title is grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. And Paul presents this in part in Romans 4. And we're going to read the first eight verses. Romans 4 then, verse 1. Paul in Romans is giving an exposition of the gospel of the grace of God. And here he has a very powerful argument. He says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. 
Aren't these majestic, wonderful, awesome words from the Word of God? Now, we want to see, first of all, as Paul is presenting here, salvation is by grace alone and not by works. And Paul, as he argues, brilliantly argues his case, he presents, as it were, his first witness, Abraham. He gives the example of Abraham, the Old Testament patriarch, is an outstanding example, illustration of a man of faith. That's what Paul says as he introduces him in verse 1. And you may remember that when Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be comparable to the number of the stars of heaven. Now, from a human perspective, that was utterly impossible. But Abraham trusted in God. This great man of faith, Abraham, believed that God could do the impossible by making his offspring as innumerable as the stars in the heavens as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And Abraham, by putting his faith in God and his trust in the promises of God as he believed God, he demonstrated, Paul is saying, that righteousness before God and acceptance with God are not in working, but in believing, in trusting. And so Abraham was justified by faith. Let me say something about justification by faith. I hope you know a little bit about that. That was one of the great doctrines at the time of the Protestant Reformation. Justification by faith. Not just a doctrine of the Reformation, but a very biblical doctrine. Do you ever wonder what God will say to you? when you stand before him on that day of judgment? God who made you, who made you in his image, who has a purpose and a plan for your life, do you ever wonder on that future day when you stand before God, as indeed each one of us will, do you ever wonder what God will say to you? In a very real sense, can I say, if you're justified by faith, you don't need to wonder. What is justification? Justification is God's verdict in advance. Get that. His verdict in advance that those who trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, that is, those who believe in Christ, those who are saved by the grace of God, they are declared now in time on earth are declared righteous. Justification isn't something that you work towards. It's not a long process, but rather as Paul is saying here in Romans 4, it is received now as a gift. And Paul is saying in these verses that if Abraham was saved if he was accepted by God by what he did, that is his sincerity or his good deeds and his religious efforts, and Abraham indeed was a good man. But if Abraham had done that, he could have boasted that he deserved God's salvation. Look at verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. I mean, if Abraham got into heaven by something he did, 
And when he's in heaven, he could then boast to the others who are there. Look what I've done. Think how wonderful I was. What a wonderful religious person I was. Think of the things that I did, how kind I was, or how many sacrifices I made. But Paul is saying, absolutely not. Do you understand that there is not one person in heaven, not one person in heaven now or for all of eternity who will ever boast of what he or she has done to get there? Boasting is totally excluded. And Paul here in verse 3 quotes Genesis 15 verse 6 to show, and don't miss his argument, he quotes Genesis 15 verse 6 to show that Abraham was justified by God before he did any of the things he's so well known for. Now Abraham is well known for many, many things. Abraham did many remarkable things, things that impress us. But Paul is saying, before Abraham did any of these things, he was justified before God. Abraham was not justified because of his goodness. He was not justified by his religious efforts. He was justified by faith. Verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, our words in English, believe and faith, seem two different words, but they are translation of the same Greek word. The Greek word, the noun for faith is pistis, the verb is pistuo. It's the same word. To, when you see in Scripture, believe and faith, it's the same root word. Abraham believed God. That is, Abraham had faith in God. His justification, his salvation is not by works. Now, if you ask someone, as I do from time to time, are you going to heaven? Quite a number of people have said to me, well, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. They're really saying, you know, I'm sincere. I do think about this and I'm not quite there yet and I'm working on it. You see, the conventional wisdom is that the more you work on it, the greater your chances of actually getting into heaven. Keep at it, do the best you can, work your hardest, live the best life you can, throw in a little bit of church, and at the end of the day, this loving God will, I hope, accept me. I hope that's not what you believe. Try your hardest, hope for the best. If God were to accept you on the basis of your effort, on the basis of your sincere attitude, on the basis of your good deeds, he would be rewarding you for what you had done. But look at verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. That word gift, so translated, is the Greek word charis, the common word Grace, we have it in the word charismatic. Paul is saying, now to the one who works, verse 4, his wages are not counted as a gift, are not counted as grace, but as his due. First job that I ever worked for, that I got a wage, was when I was about eight or nine years old in Scotland in what was called the taddy picking. Translated, the potato gathering. 
And uh, for about a week in the place where I was staying then, I think it was during October, uh, the schools were all on holiday so that the farmers could recruit unsuspecting children, a form of slave labor, shows the kind of background we come from, and uh, take us to the farm, pick potatoes all week, and at the end of the week, we got paid. And I did that as an eight-year-old. My older brother, uh, a year and a half older, George, we did it together. I remember a man coming to our neighborhood, knocking on all of the doors, and asking my mother, do you have any children? Well, she had plenty of children, and she was glad, I guess, to get rid of the oldest two for a week to go off to pick potatoes. Never worked as hard since. I think that's when I decided to become a lawyer because <laughs> lawyers you get paid and you don't need to work very hard, but that's another story. <laughs> but I remember at the end of that week how proud I was. The farmer gave me this little brown wage packet with several pounds. I can't remember how much it was, but I thought it was an absolute fortune and I had never ever worked so hard. I was so proud of myself and as I went home, my parents, as they looked at all that money before they took some of it out of their wage packet and kept it, they said, we're so proud that you survived a week at the taddy picking. Verse four, let me translate it. Now to the little boy who works at the potato gathering, his wages are not counted as a gift of grace, but as his due. I didn't know then, but I had entered into a form of contract with a farmer. In exchange for my services, i.e. picking potatoes, he was obligated, he was under contract to pay me a wage. If he had not given me that money, I could have sued him. And when he gave me that money, that was not given to me as an act of grace, was it? That was my entitlement. That was my reward. I had worked hard for it. That's what Paul is saying in verse 4. And that is the very opposite of the way that God deals with you and me. In fact, in verse 5, Paul is going to shock us. In my view, Romans 4 verse 5 is the one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. If you believe in underlining your Bible, underline it. If you want to memorize a scripture, memorize Romans 4 verse 5. Because if you grasp this verse, if you grasp this truth, you've understood this great doctrine of grace and of justification by faith. Notice what Paul says in verse 5. To the one who does not work. Get that. The one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Paul shocks us by saying that salvation is the very opposite of receiving a wage for working. Salvation is not by works. Notice verse 5. God does not justify good people. God doesn't justify church members. God doesn't justify religious people. God doesn't justify those who try their hardest to be the best they can. Who are the people in verse 5 that God justifies? The ungodly. The NIV says the wicked. God is in the business 
of justifying ungodly people, wicked people. The gospel is not that we get our spiritual act together, that we clean up our life, that we live a fairly good, clean, helpful life to others, and hope at the end of the day that God may accept us. Paul is saying you can't earn, you can't work for, you can't merit God's salvation. It is not a reward based on what we do. It's not that at the end of the day, God is going to look at your good deeds and say, you know, you've done pretty well, and I'm going to reward you now. Come into heaven. It is nothing at all like that. It's the very opposite. God justifies the ungodly. He justifies those who are opposed to God. He justifies those who break his laws. And he justifies us now. Paul is going to say in the next chapter, Romans 5, that it was while we were helpless, it was while we were ungodly, it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? It wasn't that I had to change my life. But Christ comes and recognizes who I am. I'm a sinner, I'm ungodly, I'm wicked. And it is then that Christ dies for me. Justification then is a declaration by God as the judge by which he declares us now to be accepted by him. And this justification and this salvation is by grace, grace alone. Scripture is abundantly clear that salvation is by grace alone. Can I hear you say that? Grace alone. Grace alone. Meditate on that this week. Grace alone. Grace alone. Why is there no boasting? Because we're saved by grace alone. 100%. Therefore, boasting is totally excluded. God gives us what we don't deserve. This grace, which is really amazing, is God's kindness is God's love, is God's mercy to those like you and me who are totally undeserving of it. It's the very opposite of that popular God helps those who help themselves. You do your part and God does his part. The gospel is no, you can do nothing. It's all of grace. It's by grace alone. If you could work your way into heaven, you wouldn't need grace. You wouldn't need a savior to come and die on the cross for your sins. But Paul is saying here that there is nothing good in us which deserves God's salvation. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. You can't buy salvation. You can't work for it. It is given freely by God's grace. God is never in debt to us. God is not obliged to us at all. Salvation is not by works. It's by grace alone. God's amazing grace to those who don't deserve it. Our works look to what we do. Amazing grace looks to what God in Christ has done for us. The price has been paid at the cross. What happens at our conversion? Our sins are all forgiven. You say God just pretends they're not there, no. What happens to our sins? in the wonderful plan of God's amazing grace. They are credited. They are put on Christ, who is our substitute. 
He dies for the sins of John Monroe. He doesn't ignore my sins, but they're born by Christ. And his righteousness, his purity, his holiness is now credited to me. Did you catch that in verse 7? Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. My dear friends, you've been haunted by some of your sins, haven't you? Over the years, I meet people all the time who tell me this. I've got this tremendous guilt over something that I've done. I can't get rid of it. Of course you can't get rid of it yourself. There's only one place. There's only one way to get these sins forgiven. That all of our sin is laid on Christ. He who knew no sin is made sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He receives our sins, we receive forgiveness. And it's all free, undeserved, unmerited, amazing grace. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of your own doing, not of works, so that no one, no one may boast. Now, that's the first thing we want to see, and you'll be relieved to hear I have only two points. First, salvation is by grace alone and not by works. Secondly, salvation is received by faith alone. You say, well, that's wonderful that Christ did all of this, but how does that come to me? After all, He died 2,000 years ago. The basis of our salvation is grace. How is it received? By faith alone. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. It is received by those who trust in Jesus Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone who saves you. You receive salvation. You receive God's grace through faith in Christ alone. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. And we'll continue with part two of this message when we come back next Monday. But remember, you can always find these daily lessons available on our website at theverdict.org. You know, with all the confusion and turbulence in our world today, many people are struggling to find peace and security in the midst of all the chaos. Questions about sin, salvation, judgment, and why it all matters seem to be mounting all around us. And we need to be clear on what God says. That's why John wrote a booklet titled Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. In it, John shares his personal testimony, along with a careful examination of Scripture to better understand the implications of salvation by grace. This special resource is completely free by mail or download. Just visit our website at theverdict.org. And while you're there, be sure to also sign up for John's monthly email newsletter. And if you appreciate the clear biblical teaching we offer on The Verdict, then we invite you to invest in our ministry by supporting The Verdict with a donation of any size. You can easily give a year-end one-time gift or set up a recurring donation by going to theverdict.org. Or call us at 833-551-2231. 
or send your check in the mail by writing to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? If I were to ask you the basis on which God will receive you into heaven, what would you say? Would you point to your goodness, your church attendance, your sincerity, or would you point to Christ and Christ alone? I'm praying that everyone who hears this broadcast will understand that salvation is by grace alone and not by works. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. Grace excludes all boasting. So look to Jesus Christ and receive as an act of grace forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.